0: morning how are y'all doing uh man it's good to be back in Georgia I, I've actually been gone the last two weekends I don't know if you noticed that I've been gone but maybe some of you did uh two weeks ago I, I was at a men's retreat with my dad and we actually lead worship at this men's retreat uh just about every year now so it was a really cool weekend an awesome weekend a week ago I saw one of my college buddies get married in Florida Ooh, this is all on purpose I, I promise uh And I saw one of my college buddies getting married uh, in Florida. And so I've been back and forth from Florida to Georgia the last couple weekends. And I'm glad not to be traveling this weekend and just kind of sitting at my house and and watching March Madness. My Gators are still in uh, the tournament, so I'm excited. I got my sweet Grace Community Church t-shirt on, so things are going good, I guess, today. Uh, But we've been in the midst of this series that we're calling I Am uh, Jesus in His Own Words. Uh, We've been looking at the I Am statements that are found in the book of John, uh, the seven statements found in the book of John. And we've gone over uh, three of these already. I am the bread of life. Uh, I am the light of the world. Last week was I am the gate. Uh, This week we focus on I am the good shepherd. And I would encourage you, if you you missed any of these weeks, uh, we do post them online. Check them out because each one of these statements, they, they, they communicate a very profound truth about Jesus. A very profound truth about who he is. And so throughout the series, we really have been kind of focusing on uh, this one question, and this one question we'll throw on the screen, and, and I posed it to you the very first week, and it seems like a simple question maybe when you say it, but it is this. Who is Jesus? You know, who is Jesus. That's what we're trying to do, and, and we're, not, we're not answering this question to give us head knowledge, right? We're not answering this question to say, alright, so I can list out facts about Jesus, and I, I can memorize the seven I AM statements and impress my pastor and impress my friend, if, if your friend would be impressed by that. We're, we're not doing it for that reason, but we're answering this question so that our lives will be transformed. You see, if we study these statements, if we memorize these things, if we memorize the I AM statements, they mean nothing if our lives are not transformed. You see, each truth I think is transformational, and so today we look at that statement, the fourth one in the book of John, chapter 10: uh, "I am the good shepherd." Have you ever recognized though, like that that humans, that people, like we are hardwired to follow? Have you recognized that, like we are pretty much hardwired to follow? I mean, take take a baby from the moment they're born, like and they're, they can't. Kind of comprehend too much stuff yet but, but you go a couple months and and what happens if you like you stick your tongue out at, at the baby if they're old enough they'll they'll stick their tongue right back out at you right uh if you open your mouth the baby will open its mouth right back out at it you it's kind of funny to me because i see some parents sometimes and, and they really get annoyed by their kids you know why because they're imitating you. Have, you have you ever thought about that like 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 I'm sorry, but but the but, but kids, they imitate their parents, right? Like you grow up imitating your parents. You follow your mom and dad. And as you get older, like that kind of expands, right? Like the people that you follow expands. And so maybe you start following one of your best friends. And maybe you start following an older cousin or or maybe another adult or someone in your life. And we all have these people that we follow as we grow up. For me, the person that I wanted to follow, the person that was kind of my role model is my cousin, Luke. This picture says it all. It really does. You can, you can see, like, you can just see my, fa- I'm the, the little one. Uh, you can see my face, man. Uh, Luke was about four years older than me, so he's always taller, and, and I kind of almost caught up to him at this point, but, but he was my role model. I wanted to do everything that Luke did. So Luke got a, a skater haircut, and I think that actually might be the skater haircut right there. I'm not too sure, but do you all know what a skater haircut is? Some of y'all might know. Alright. This, is, this is essentially a bowl cut. But even better, right? And you're, you might say, like, how can you make a bowl cut even greater? Well, this is what you do, you do a bowl cut, and then you shave it underneath. And so, like, it, we called it the skater haircut. I didn't even skate. But I got this skater haircut, and I guess when you could skate, and your hair would move all over the place, and it was super cool. But I got a skater haircut because Luke did. Uh, Luke played guitar. He was one of the first people that actually showed me chords on the guitar. And I, I can still remember times where he was showing me the G chord and D chord and these basic chords. And I wanted to play the guitar because Luke played the guitar. Uh, One year we were at this camp, and we went to this camp uh, every year. And we were out in the playground, and and I bet I was six or seven years old. I wasn't too old, and so he was four years older than me. And we were out at the monkey bars. Now, I I did monkey bars enough in my life. I know how to do the monkey bars. But you all know there's a really cool way of doing the monkey bars. And you don't go every bar, right? You skip a bar. Have you all ever done that? Like once you get old enough, you skip a bar, and you're super cool when you do that. And so Luke did the monkey bars in that way, and he's skipping the bars. And I'm like, all right. You know, I'm old enough, I can do this. And so I, I go, and I'm, I'm a little scrawny kid, man. And I grab the first bar, and I reach out for the next bar. And at some point, my hands slip. And this this isn't too high. I mean, you know what monkey bars are. They're not too high. But I fall on my elbow, and I break my elbow. And so I'm in tears, and I'm crying. And don't feel too bad for me. I had a really good summer, because I got a cast on, and I got a lot of attention, and girls are signing the cast. Everything was, was was just fine, I promise. But beyond this little incident, ins, incident. Uh, Luke was a very good role model in my life. Um, he taught me a lot of things, a lot of good things, and and I followed him in, in a lot of ways. And I imagine for you, you can think of people like that in your life. Uh, maybe it was an older cousin like me. Maybe it was a sibling. Uh, maybe it was just your parent. Maybe it was an older adult. But we all have these people in our life. And you know, and I look out into the room, and and there's definitely leaders in this room, right? People that that lead in their homes, people that lead in businesses. But even if you are a leader, and a lot of you probably are. I believe we all follow still. We all still follow someone. We all still look for advice. Take this for an example. Uh, go to Maybe go to the biggest city that you can think of. Maybe that would be Savannah or go to Atlanta. If it's around here, like it's going to be kind of hard to do this. But find like a very busy area. Maybe it's around here. You go to Statesboro and you go to the, the, the market on Saturday morning. I'm not sure where that would be in if a busy place. But uh, go to River Street on Savannah and stand in, in one place and look up. What's going to happen? Eventually, someone is going to stand next to you and think you're weird, but probably look up and see what's going on. Eventually, someone else will probably stand and start looking up. And before long, you're going to create a little group of followers, all looking up at the sky. It's because people follow. We are kind of hardwired to follow. And so I believe that Jesus is pointing to a very kind of universal need, I would say, that we all have when he says, I am the good shepherd. You see, a shepherd leads the sheep. And, you know, before we get into this kind of scripture, the, the funny thing about being in church, uh, there's a lot of funny things about being in church at times, but the funny thing about being in church is that you go to church and you start hearing the same, maybe, scripture over and over again. You start hearing the same sermon over and over again. And I, I've heard a lot of sermons on the good shepherd. And a lot of them, they focus on this one idea, and you've heard it before if you've been in church, if you're brand new, you probably haven't heard it, but it, it is that sheep are dumb. You've heard this, right? I know Mike mentioned it last week. It was kind of a side point. But sheep are dumb. And sometimes that becomes the main point. And this is true. It is true. Like, I, And I read some stuff. I don't know about sheep, but I read some stuff. I read this story, and I think it happened about 10 years ago in Turkey. There was this herd of 1,500 sheep. I don't know if you've heard the story before. It was wild, though. And one of the sheep actually goes over the edge of a cliff. I don't know what caused the sheep to do that. I couldn't tell from the story, but it goes over the edge of the cliff. And you would think... The next sheep would be like, well, that's not a good idea, and turn around. But the other sheep follows, and the other sheep follows, and before long, 1,500 sheep go off the edge of a cliff. You can imagine the shepherds are looking in horror at their sheep as they go off the edge. 400 of them die. So sheep seem pretty dumb. All right, I get that. Like, sheep seem pretty dumb. But here's the deal. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I don't think he is simply saying we are dumb sheep. That might be a point of it, but I don't think that's exactly what he's saying. I think there's a bigger portion to this. Yes, we are like sheep in that we need to follow. We are hardwired to follow. We will follow people sometimes off a cliff. Sometimes we will follow people off the monkey bars. We will follow people. But I think Jesus is saying so much more because the more I looked at this text, man, the more I studied, the more I prayed about this text, the more I realized that, yeah, some of us might be dumb sheep, some of us might be smart sheep, might be good-looking sheep, might be bad-looking sheep. But no matter what it is, the shepherd is constant. And the shepherd is incredible. See, it doesn't matter what kind of sheep we are. Because this text says, hey, man, look at the shepherd. All right, so we're going to jump into the John chapter 10. Uh, Mike finished off in verse uh, 10 last week. This is the same section of Scripture where we talked about I am the gate. So we're going to jump into verse 10. We're going to read a few verses here about I am the good shepherd. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. You see, Jesus is using a very common image here, one that's not very common for us, but the sheep and a shepherd, man, it would have been all around this culture. People would have been walking around, and they'd probably run into a sheep. Man, sheep are everywhere. They're in the countryside. They're in towns. And so for us, this isn't very common, though, is it? Very few of you probably actually deal with sheep. Do you, I mean, does anyone actually have sheep? I'm curious. Nobody. Okay. Oh, what? All right, two people. Awesome. All right, so you, this will be really good for you. But the rest of y'all, we don't deal with sheep. We see pictures of sheep, but we don't know what really sheep do. So what we did on stage is we built a miniature version of a sheep fold. This is essentially a sheep pen. Because this is the image that would be in the minds of these people back in this time. And so then you got to imagine that we couldn't build, build it to scale because it would fill up about this whole room, and the walls would be really high, and these would be built out of rocks. And so you've got to use your imagination here because it's in the cinder blocks. I get that. But this is a miniature version of a sheepfold. And so the idea here is that sheep, uh, at, at night, the shepherd would lead the sheep into the fold, and this would be their protection for the night. In the morning, they'd come, and they'd get the sheep out of the fold, and they'd graze, and they'd go around the countryside. Um, but this was basically to keep sheep in and to keep everything else out. Um, And so, again, the walls would be higher, and and animals couldn't get in, and thieves couldn't get in. uh, But this was their protection. And the the other idea here is, is this was in the minds of these people, but at the same time, people would have known the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures, man, God is often compared to a shepherd. I don't know if you knew that. but God is very often compared to a shepherd. So you can imagine this man named Jesus, as people are starting to know who he is, when he calls himself the good shepherd, how bold that would be. Because people are saying, man, but well, God is the shepherd. And here's a man named Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. You think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, There's a, this whole chapter is filled with shepherd imagery. The last two verses, it says this, "...then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares a sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares a sovereign Lord." And so you're working with two things here, and this is the point. is You're working with this this very common image that would have been around the culture, this idea of the sheepfold, the sheep, the shepherd. And you're working with this idea in the Scripture that God is compared to a shepherd. And so all that's going on in the minds of the people as Jesus is saying these words, that I am the good shepherd. So let's jump back into these verses. Verse 11, Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. And so this is a big statement, as I said. He doesn't say, I am a shepherd. I am the shepherd. I am a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. It is a very exclusive statement. I am the good shepherd. So if there are good shepherds, there have to be not good, but but what? Bad. Thank you. all. Not good, but bad shepherds. And so Jesus is pointing out to the culture. He says, look, there are going to be bad shepherds in your life. He says, look out into it, and maybe these shepherds would have been there. Not actual shepherds, but, you know, maybe religious leaders. Maybe governors were there, and they were listening to Jesus. They're going to be bad shepherds in your life. And I think he's telling the people, and I think he's telling us, that there are shepherds in our lives. There are going to be shepherds that are going to try to lead us in certain directions. Shepherds that say, hey, This is good. Hey, try this out. Hey, say this. Hey, this is how you get ahead in business. Hey, this is what you should do. There are shepherds that are always going to be in our life, and we have to realize and we have to know that there is still only one good shepherd. Despite all these people that might say, I am a good shepherd, there is one good shepherd. Because there is one shepherd that lays down his life for you. All right, let's keep reading it in in verse 12. Uh, The hired hand is not the shepherd. And does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So you can imagine this hired hand, right? A hired hand, the shepherd kind of hires this guy and he's going to protect the sheep. You know, he's going to protect the sheep. And and here comes a wolf. And I'm picturing like something nasty, man, like, like teeth coming out and like blood dripping down. And like you think the hair is sticking out in the back of his neck like this is a wolf. What's a hired hand going to do? Right this way, Mr. Wolf. Right. I come on in here and, and I got a delicious lamb chop right in the back picked out. just for you. A hired hand doesn't care. They don't care about the sheep. Like some, some of you own a business, right? I know some of you all do. Some of you own a business. And and then picture this when you hire someone, do they care as much about the business as you do? Not at all, man. The business represents your passion. It represents maybe everything you've invested into this business. It represents the way that you support your family. A hired hand is not the same thing. Uh, those of you who have kids, I, I imagine it kind of works this way. Imagine when you're hiring a babysitter or, or daycare. I bet that's tough. Because I mean, and I know you all. You you parents like you would lay down your life for your kid. You all would. And so it's hard, I imagine, to leave your kid with someone else thinking, if worse came to worse, would this person lay down their life for my kid? You see, hired hands are different. And here's the cool thing. Jesus says, I'm not a hired hand. He says, I am the real deal, man. I am the shepherd. And so here's the scene, man, when when the wolf is coming. And I think the wolf here, it says the wolf. Again, right? Not a wolf, but it says the wolf. And I believe this is Satan. This is the evil one. This is death. This is sin. When Jesus says, when the wolf comes, man, I don't move. And he's almost inviting the wolf in. He's like, come on, wolf. You know, I'll punch out your teeth if I need to. Come on, wolf. Bring it in. And you see, the wolf is nothing. The wolf is nothing to the shepherd. You see, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, when he laid down his life, he beat the wolf. You see, he beat sin. He beat death. The wolf is nothing to the good shepherd. Let's keep reading in verse 14. Jesus says again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep, So again, it says here, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This idea of knowing was very different in this culture. You know, when we know something, what do we say? Like we know somebody on Facebook or or, or we know this fact or or we know math. For this man, for Hebrew and for this culture, like it, it was a very close kind of intimate relationship. And so take the idea of maybe you read in the Bible where it says, you know, Adam knew his wife Eve and... Bore a son, and maybe you're thinking, like, he, he definitely did a little bit know more than know his wife, right? And, and you're kind of thinking, because that is because, in this culture, knowing was very close. It was an intimate relationship, and it might have been in marriage, but it might have been also in a close kind of friendship. And so when he says the shepherd knows his sheep, it is a close relationship. In the, in the Eastern culture, the shepherds today, they still know their sheep. A lot of them actually know sheep by name. So they can call sheep by name out, and they, they know their tendencies. They know if, if a sheep is going to be lazy. They know if a sheep is going to uh, be prone to wander. They know these things about their sheep. Uh, my great-grandpa, he was a, a farmer, and I guess you, you could call him a shepherd too because he had some sheep. And uh, they lived in Illinois, and, and I called my dad this week because I, I knew that, and I was kind of asking him for some stories. And and so my dad told me that when, when my dad was little, this would be his grandpa, my great-grandpa, uh, he would go out kind of into the the farm area, and he'd put on my great-grandpa's hat. he put on his hat, and he put on his overalls. He tried to look exactly like my great-grandpa, as much as he could. And he said he would go out into the field, and he'd call out the sheep, 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 sheep. I think it was something like, I don't know if that was true, but but sheep, sheep, sheep. You can imagine a great grandpa sounding like that, right? And he would call out the sheep, and, and, the, and the sheep, he said they would be, you know, they'd be, they call it chewing your cud, I guess. They'd be, they'd be eating the grass, and they'd look up, and they'd go back down. They wouldn't even budge. He said he tried it all the time. He tried to be like his grandpa. He said, but his grandpa would go out. My great grandpa, he'd go out with his hat and his overalls. Sheep, sheep, I don't know, <laughs> sheep, sheep. You call out the sheep. And the sheep would look up, and they'd come running. You see, the shepherd knows his sheep. And the sheep know the shepherd. See, Jesus says, I know my sheep. Uh, he's saying he knows us. God knows us. God knows our tendencies. He knows if we're prone to wander. He knows if we are lazy. He knows what sets us off. He knows what makes, makes us angry. Here's the scary part. He knows our thoughts. He knows maybe the things that you've never told anyone that you've done. Jesus says, I know my sheep. My Father knows them. And while that can be a scary thought, (laughs) as I was looking at that, I'm like, gosh, that's scary. That Jesus kind of Hebrew knows us. He knows us that well. What does it say the shepherd does? He knows us that well. He knows everything that we've done, and yet he lays down his life for us shoo Now, let's keep reading. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And this is an amazing part here where he says, I'm trying to bring all the sheep in. And this is the part where he's saying, hey, I don't care what kind of sheep you are. I don't care if you're a dumb sheep or a smart sheep. I don't care if your wool is just amazing looking or not amazing looking. I don't care if you're a clean sheep or a dirty sheep. I don't care. And this is the part where he says, hey, it's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. That's us. It's not just for slave. It's for, for free. It's not just for, for males, for female. Man. It, I don't care what kind of sheep you are. And this is the amazing part, because if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, I don't know if he welcomes me into the fold. I don't know if he's welcomed me into this. Jesus says, hey, come on in, man. But you don't know what I've done. Come on in. You don't know, look at my life. My life is... Come on in. Jesus is calling us into the fold. Uh, some of you know, and this might be new information for, for some of you. Uh, Sarah and I were expecting a baby uh, come July. So... It's out there. If you didn't know already, it's out there now. Um, but, thank you. Was that Mike? I was, I was like, Ooh, yeah, okay, thank you. Um, I did a lot to make it happen. Um, Sarah, yeah. Uh, I, so I called Sarah this week, and uh, she's, a, she's a private person. She's not here right now, so I can talk about her a little bit. But, uh, she's a private person, and so I said, I'm like, I'm really thinking. I'm thinking of the pregnancy. I'm thinking of this baby can i talk about it in the sermon so I, guys i got her permission first before i did this um and you'll kind of see why so we're we're actually pretty far along it, it's it's coming on 6 months here uh during the pregnancy and so we're a little bit uh past uh the midpoint and i'm starting to learn i guess what it means to be a dad it's kind of a weird thing to call myself a dad i still don't see myself as a dad but uh i guess that's what i'm going to be huh and and i'm starting to learn what that that is and i so i'm i'm reading books as much as books can tell you, right, I've, I've seen that look for the parents. I'm reading books, uh, we're, we're, we're buying things, you know, for the baby and our lives revolve around the baby already and we're, we're filling out a registry. And I felt a kick this week, which was, guys, if you, if you felt that, fathers, like it's super cool, like so surreal, man, You're, this thing protruding from your wife's stomach, it's weird. Um, and it felt really like I'm like, I, I guess there's something in there, right? Um, so that was really real. Uh, but it's cool because I'm getting to know, we're getting to know our child. Uh, and, and the ultrasounds are such an amazing thing. Like, man, I, I can't imagine, you know, years ago when we didn't have ultrasounds and you, need, you couldn't even look at your baby. So it's, it's such a weird thing. Uh, but you've seen your baby grow. And our, and our baby's pretty big right now. Right now it's measuring big. So it's a big baby and it, and it looks like it has long legs. Is that picture up there yet? Okay. Let's keep it up there. Alright. So you can actually see, um, our baby actually sucking its thumb, which is really weird. This was about, about a month ago. And it kind of, you can't see it there, but it looks like uh, he or she has long legs, which will be like his or her mother. Um, and uh, it, it really is an amazing thing. We're, we're not finding out the gender. That's going to be a surprise, actually, so don't ask. Uh, and we're not revealing names, so so don't ask. Uh, but we're picking all this stuff out, uh, and we're getting to know our child. And, and it's cool, because as you get to know your baby, uh, you, you start to fall more in love with your baby. And it's not even here yet, but it, it's it's a super amazing thing. Um the other part of this is, is, is that having a baby is a sacrifice. And, and I kind of knew that, man. And, we, you know, obviously Sarah and I talk about it. And, you know, you sacrifice a lot of things. Uh, you, you sacrifice money. <laughs> uh, you sacrifice vacations. Uh, you sacrifice things that maybe you'd like to buy and now you can't buy because the baby gets them instead. Uh, you sacrifice a lot of things. My wife is sacrificing a lot, just even being pregnant. And I told her the other day, I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm doing a lot. You know, like she's doing everything right now. And it's, it's it's I wish I could kind of take a little bit of it. But that's that's the way it is. And so she's sacrificing a lot of comfort of back pain and and physically like things are changing. And it's it's a huge sacrifice. Uh, those of you who have actually kids that are now born. I've heard from you. You sacrifice sleep. Uh, you sacrifice maybe even friendships to a point of like you can't hang out with maybe the people that you'd like to because you're you're spending time with your baby. You sacrifice a lot. Um, and I'm, start, I'm starting to realize that, and I, I know I'll learn a lot more in the coming months. Uh, but despite, like, all the sacrifices there are, like, I tell you all, like, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait. Um, like, I love my baby already, and it's almost here. And I've heard from some parents, it's funny, because I, I tell them, I'm like, when we tell them, you know, we're we're, we're having a baby, they, they say about the same thing every time, and it's it's hey, congratulations! Your life is over. <laughs> like but almost verbatim, man. It's it's funny, and uh, after that they usually laugh and they're just like, ah, right, well, you know, but but it's worth it. Most of them say that, unless they're really tired at that point. They're like, no, it's not worth it. Uh, but most of them say it's it's worth it. Um, and it's funny to me because it's. That kind of love is just kind of weird, man. It's, it's, it's the only type of love that I think is like that in, in this world. This, this helpless baby that we love so much that we're willing to essentially die for. And I, when I was looking at this love that the Good Shepherd has for us, like, that is the image that kept on coming to mind as I was studying the Scripture. You know, the, the Good Shepherd loves us in that way. Maybe in a love that's greater than that. A love like a parent does for his child. And I believe Jesus kind of is looking at us and maybe in the same way saying, you know, if, if, I, if I love you in that way, if I love you like that, I know what it's going to take. And maybe he's looking at us and saying, I know I'm going to have to give up a lot. I know, I know I'm going to have to die. You know, I think he says the same thing. I think he says, but you know what, it's worth it. Giving up everything, it, it's, it's worth it. You see, the love that the Good Shepherd has for us is, is love that maybe compares to that type of love, but it's, it's almost an unworldly type of love. See, the Good Shepherd knows us intimately, is calling us into the fold and loves us. You might have been looking at the sheepfold this whole time, and maybe some of you have been thinking, where's the gate? You know, where's the door? What keeps the wolf from coming in? Uh, here's how these things would actually be built, though. They, they would be built, you know, without a door, without a gate. And, you know, Mike talked about I am the gate last week. And the thing is, you have to understand the good shepherd before you understand this image. But these sheepfold, they'd be built in the middle of the countryside. And the sheep would come in at night. And instead of there actually being a gate, uh, the good shepherd would truly lay down his life. You know how how crazy that is? Like, between everything happening in the world, everything going on outside, the good shepherd became the gates. And you saw about, about five times there where the good shepherd says, and I put it in red there in the scripture, I lay down my life for the sheep. See, people would have seen that. The shepherd truly lays down his life. For the sheep. And how cool is that? That Jesus is kind of looking at us and, and, and thinking, you know, it's okay. Get back into the fold. And he's looking at the rest of the world and he's kind of saying, bring it on. You know, because if you want these sheep, man, these sheep are mine. Because I know these sheep. Man, I know them by name. I know everything about them. If you want these sheep, you've got to come through me. Again, 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, when he paid the price, when he laid down his life, you know what's amazing about that is he laid it down and nothing from the outside world can pull us back out because we are in the fold. And Jesus has paid the price. Uh, the good shepherd, he knows you. He intimately knows you. He Hebrew knows you. He's calling you into the fold. And, and if you're in the fold, I hope you see that type of love. If you've accepted Christ, I hope you see that love that he asked for you. If you're not, I believe that Jesus is calling you to the fold. Whether you're a dumb sheep or a smart sheep, good-looking sheep or a bad-looking sheep, he's calling us into the fold. Uh, We're going to finish with Psalm 23. Maybe that was in your mind as we're going through this. It was in my mind as I was was studying this this week. Uh, It's going to play on the screen. It's going to play silently if you can read it to yourself. Uh, This is just an amazing image of the Good Shepherd uh, in Psalm 23, and I'm going to finish with prayer. But I'm going to say, like, if, if you're looking at this and you're thinking, for the first time, and I, I want to come into the fold, I see that love that, that Jesus has, that God has for us. I see that love now for the first time. Uh, when we're done, when I'm done praying, come chat with me. Uh, Mike's in the back if you want to chat with him, or he just left, but you can find him. Um, we'd be glad to talk with you about what this means, what it means to accept Jesus. So read this uh, silently to yourself. Uh, Father God, we we thank you for your son. And God, thank you for, oh man, just these very profound, very incredible statements that are found in the book of John. And uh, Father, I I pray that uh, as we leave here today, as as I kind of said, that man, we we don't just study this and and we leave it and it's in our head, God, but that our lives are transformed by this. Father, man, it it is an amazing type of love that is seen there where the shepherd lays down his life for us. And it's a love that I don't, I don't really even understand or, or, or get why that you love us in that way. Um, gosh, we don't deserve it, Father, but we, we praise you for it. Father, thank you for your Son, for the incredible gift of laying His life down for us. Father, I pray that we can walk as, as forgiven, as men and women of grace, of, of people that are children of you into this world. God, help us spread Your love. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. It's good seeing you all this week. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Have a good one.